Welcome to Perfect Bound. I'm Jennifer Yaffe, the founder and publisher of Yaffe Press in Atlanta, Georgia. This is a podcast where we talk to artists about their journey, how they got where they are, what right and wrong turns they made along the way, and where they're heading next. Aaron Schumann is an American photographer, writer, editor, educator, and curator based in the United Kingdom. He received a BFA in photography and art history from New York University's Tisch School of the Arts in 1999 and an MA in humanities and cultural studies from the London Consortium in 2003. His work has been exhibited internationally and is held in many public and private collections. He's the author of two critically acclaimed monographs, Slant, published by Mac in 2009, and Folk, published by NB Books in 2016. Both books were widely cited by photographers, critics, and publications as one of the best photo books in their respective years. In addition to his own photographic work, Schumann has contributed essays, interviews, and texts to many books, and he also regularly contributes to journals and magazines such as Aperture, Foam, Freeze, Hot Shoe, Magnum Online, the British Journal of Photography, and more. Additionally, Schumann has curated several major international festivals and exhibitions, was the founder and editor of the online photography journal Seesaw Magazine from 2004 to 2014, and since 2017 has been program leader of the Masters in Photography program at the University of West England. Please welcome Aaron Schumann to the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on, and I'm excited to talk to you. Um, Slant was uh, definitely one of my favorite books of the last couple of years. Um, oh, thanks. Such an awesome surprise. Yeah, I actually didn't know anything about it when I bought it. It was just kind of like year-end, I'm reading all the best books and it kept coming up. And yeah. so I bought a few of the ones that were repetitive that way and I didn't know anything about it. And then I looked it up and I, you know, when I opened it, I was like, Oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, thank really you. Good. That's, I really appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I have questions and I'll just jump in. Is that good? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So you started out working in a pretty traditional, straightforward, black and white documentary style. And then your work has seemed to shift to embrace more of a conceptual slant. That was not an intended pun. Um, that's, bit, <laughs> that's a bit of a critique of documentary while still, while still working to say something about the world or making sense of it. And it feels like this is a larger shift that's happening kind of as people are becoming more photographers are becoming more conscious of the pitfalls and the inherent biases and biases in observational photography. And I was curious where you came down on this issue. You know, if this is something that you think about or it's just been kind of a natural evolution for you. I mean, it's something I definitely think about quite often. So when I started out making photographs, like, you know, as a teenager and then into kind of college, I was pretty like committed to mid 20th century photography in a lot of ways. Like I was really interested in that kind of um, tradition and that approach and aspired to, you know, follow in the footsteps of like photographers and Walker Evans and, you know, and, and that kind of whole real documentary tradition. And it was, if I'm honest, um, like in college was pretty resistant to kind of contemporary developments. And of course, like I was in college during the 90s. So it was a lot of it was around kind of constructed imagery 
and performative imagery um, yeah. and, and kind of quote unquote snapshot aesthetic. Um, so, you know, and I was like really committed to, you know, black and white <laughs> tri-X, you know, wanting to really kind of live, live the life of, I don't know, W. Gene Smith or like I said, Walker mm-hmm. Evans or, you know, mm-hmm. anyth- anybody like that. And, um, and so um, I think that was like a real stubbornness on my part during that period. And then after college, when I started to kind of explore a bit more about the world of photography now and contemporary photography and through a few experiences I had then, um, it really started to kind of open up to me in, in other ways. And I kind of started to come to terms with the fact that it wasn't like 1958 and the world had changed quite dramatically and photography had changed quite dramatically. Um, and so, so yeah, so I started investigating how photographers kind of engage with a documentary aesthetic, but um, use it to more, I don't know, subjective ends or personal ends or critical ends. Um, and yeah, I started investigating that kind of area. So um, the other thing is that I'm kind of uh, like, in terms of a reader, I really love nonfiction, like long form nonfiction um, and, you know, long form essays and that type of work. So I started thinking about how photography could um, engage with the world in a similar way. Um, and I really like, I, li- I kind of like the term nonfiction because it's not saying it's fact. It's just saying right. it's not fiction. So it kind of sits on that kind of ambiguous kind of border where somebody can kind of tell a story through, you know, th- through kind of a narrative and through their own personal kind of experience. And it's kind of, it's understood by the the reader that this is something that's, that's both based on, you know, reality and factual kind of encounters and engagement with the world, but also is being kind of interpreted through the the words or the lens of the, of the person who's kind of presenting it. So, yeah. Yeah. Because even if, you know, when you're reading nonfiction, I mean, it's still the perspective of the, writer yeah um and even if they are show you know attempting to portray two sides of a thing or multiple you know viewpoints it's still their you know ethnicity and their their entry point into the subject matter is going to make a difference yeah in in the story yeah exactly yeah and i think it's also that idea of it kind of being a narrative and a journey that you go on with that person um so they it's kind like of, an exploratory. Yeah, they kind of take you by the hand and take you on this journey, and you know that this journey is something that's you know happening out there in the real world, but it's also being kind of filtered through whoever it is that's kind of guiding you through that that experience. And that was something that was really exciting for me. It was an exciting way for me to think about photography and photographic practice and some of my favorite photographers. And I started kind of you know finding those kind of famous quotes by um by my heroes who had always kind of considered as quote unquote, very traditional documentary photographers uh, talking about how you know documentary is, is an aesthetic and not a not a, a fact and i don't mm-hmm. know winogrand's kind of you know photographs show what the world looks like photographed kind of those kinds of quotes that that started getting me really interested in that and also just as a as a viewer and as a a reader of of photography and photo books I really liked that engagement as well I liked I liked feeling like I was being kind of brought along on this this journey by these people and but they were leaving it reasonably open-ended and ambiguous and sometimes there was a kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of wink to you as a reader and sometimes 
You know what I mean? So there was a little bit more fluidity mm -hmm. kind of going on in that relationship between the photographer and myself. And so, yeah, I started to think about ways that I might be able to, to kind of incorporate that into my own practice and loosen it up a bit and not, not kind of try to um, document the world. And of course, you know, also all of this is happening at the same time that, that, um, you know, social media and Instagram and all of these things are happening as well. So, so also that idea of kind of showing people something they've never seen before completely went out the window because you can, yeah. you can type anything into Google image or sure. Instagram and see a million pictures of that thing. So, so that also really made it, made it a, a bit of a challenge and a, a kind of fun challenge to think about how you, um, yeah, how you engage with the world beyond just trying to discover something quote unquote new if you know what mm -hmm. I mean. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, right, the concept can be new. The imagery is probably not, is impossible to create complete uniqueness. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, photography also has, um, I don't know, I always think of, if photography is like a language, it has all of these different dialects and and accents and ways in which people kind of use that language. Um, so the words might be the same, <laughs> you know what I mean? But but the way that they're kind of being presented or um, or being kind of in, heard by the viewer, you know, read by the viewer kind of changes um, depending on how, how that's being used. And I like that idea of kind of being able to adopt different kind of ways of, of saying what I want to say. Um, so kind of speaking in, in these different mm -hmm. dialects. And sometimes I might use like a, yeah, like a, a traditional documentary dialect, but other times I might use a vernacular you know, approach or I don't know, you know, you kind of find all of these different ways in which your voice can, can come out. Um, right. And there's more freedom. Yeah. And there's a lot, there's a lot more freedom in that. And, and, it, and, it, and just as a, as a creative person, as a photographer, as an artist, like that makes it really fun as well, because all of a sudden it's not just about what's in the frame. Um, and right. Kind of right. You're not boxed in. Yeah. It's not about the, c the content. I mean, it is about the content, but it's not only about the content. It starts to become about, everything else all of the other decisions you're making in terms of composition in terms of you know exposure depth of fields um you know framing what what images you put them you know that one next to and all of that sort of thing so that mm -hmm. that starts that whole puzzle that whole game becomes a lot more fun and interesting at that point yeah so kind of a segue talking about putting images together how important is the book to your practice like when you do you imagine your major projects as books while you're developing them or do you make the work and determine the ideal format after? Um, I'd say, I'd say the book is really important to me. I feel like um, the kind of the, the relationship that can be built between images and between different material, you know, I mean, both of the books that I've made so far kind of incorporate both my own photographs, but also kind of like ephemera or objects or, you know, um, clippings, that sort of thing. So I, um, I like that idea of building relationships and creating this kind of, um, conversation that's going on between lots and lots of different things. And the individual images are really important to me. Like I want every one of those images to, to be able to exist on its own independently of the rest. So that's part of my editing process is that question of like, is this picture a valid, interesting, you know, image or is it only that because of the other ones that are around it and you know I, I really kind of question those things but I also once I have that kind of 
confirmation that each picture feels right to me, then I also realize that they grow like exponentially as soon as they're mixed together in in various ways some some ways in which are really successful other ways don't work and so that's how the editing process comes into play and so the book you know when i started just discovering the book and how um, versatile that could be and how interesting that could make images that it didn't have to be just a catalog of individual works but that it could right you can have more texture yeah you can have all of this texture and these kind of um, meta narratives and like, un, you know, underlying motifs that could come back and forth. And I don't know, that whole relationship when, I mean, I, you know, when you, when you put two pictures next to each other and then, I don't know, take one away and put another one next to it, the picture that stays there all of a sudden changes in a really interesting ways. So, right. um, so that really expanded my excitement for the photographic medium as well, because I started to understand that, um, that yes, like an individual photograph could be a singular work of art, but so could a set of 40 photographs. And that could be an individual single piece, if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. a work of art. And um, and that that was exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah. When you were working on your book projects, did you was were you doing the edit and sequence and layout mostly on your own, or were you collaborating with a designer or with a publisher? For both of them, I was pretty independent, like up until like eighty-five percent of the way. If you know what I mean. Okay. So, yeah. So I kind of, yeah. I, you know, so I kind of, I, I, I spent a lot of time trying to conceive of how this would work. Maybe I'm a little bit of a control freak in that sense that I didn't even want to show it to the publishers or the designers until I felt like I was almost there. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but that's not just you know. But that's. But then you, you reach a certain point where you just can't see the wood for the trees and you you, <laughs> you kind of feel like maybe there is another way to do this. Or maybe <clears throat> you see a kind of a chink in the, you know, a chink in the fence and you think like, I wish somebody else would fix this for me, you know. Right, um, right. And so, yeah. So then at that point, then I then I kind of started speaking with the, um, you know, the designers and the publishers and and asking their their kind of input on, on that kind of thing. So, um I can't take all the credit and there are definitely kind of decisions which are generally kind of seemingly minor, but actually incredibly important that, that I got help with in the sense of just things like scale or layout or design or, um, or even just the object in, in its own right, because, you know, publishers and designers have all of this incredible knowledge about papers and materials and printing processes and, cover materials and textures and you know all of the things that you don't even think about when you're just shuffling work prints around on a table right um right. and the, so that 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 was incredibly useful and helpful to, to kind of get some input on um but you know the sequence itself um you know i would say it was kind of 85 90 percent there for both books before i started kind of opening it up to, to other people to play with yeah yeah i was yeah. curious about that that with yafi press i get project I do projects both ways so sometimes yeah. people come and it's and I'm like this is 80 or 90 percent there and it's like brainstorming those last couple of fixes or you know just the if we could just tweak this or you know yeah. add this image take this one out and then I have projects where I'm literally starting with 600 right. images right and like all right, let me get back to you in a year. Um, <laughs> once yeah. I spent time with it, and and it's um, you know, some artists are 
better at yeah. looking at their work objectively than others. And that to me, you know, there's really not a, I don't have a preference or a difference. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, so. I mean, and that challenge is really exciting for me as well. Like if a photographer shows me a bunch of work and just says, I have no idea what to do with all these pictures, but yeah. they seem to be about something like, I love it too. It's the yeah. puzzle. It's the puzzle. puzzle yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I, I really love that kind of challenge and engaging in that challenge and also not having that, um, like personal connection to every picture right. all, of, all of a sudden, you know, I don't know. There's just so, like every picture can mean so many different things. Whereas with the photographer or in my case, if it's my own work, like I feel like this is what this picture is about. And then if somebody else comes along and says, actually there's potential for it to kind of fit in this way, you know, and, and kind of change it up a bit. Um, that's really exciting for me too. Cause it opens all of a sudden the pictures kind of open up to me in new ways that I didn't mm -hmm. ever expect. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's exciting, but it's, it's a pro I mean, I, I run like a, I run a master's program over here um, and have lots of students and, you know, lots of, lots of photographer friends who have that. I think it's a trait of a lot of photographers who are really committed to their work, but like, like they just need to finish it themselves. Like they want one more picture. I need one more thing, or I don't want to show it to anybody until it's perfect. And there's right. this kind of um, real protectiveness or kind of insecurity that goes along with something where people feel like it has to be totally resolved before they show it to a publisher or an editor or anybody. And I think... But people can also get trapped in their own spiral of editing and pulling it apart and starting over. And it's yeah. just like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. also, yeah, it's a slippery slope, I think. Yeah, I think it can be. And, you know, I've seen people whose projects, you know, run on for 12 years because they can't, like, they can't just finish it themselves. And I, and I, and I, and I learned from seeing that I really encourage my students and also encourage, like, learn to encourage myself to kind of like, you know, open it up a little bit. And the fact is that publishers and designers and editors and all of these other people that you're showing your work to, like, they have, expertise and knowledge and input and they can really help you along the way and there's not a lot of publishers that like just want like the the thing perfectly formed and then right and everyone wants a yeah like their only job is to go to the, the print the printers and print it out and sell it do you know what i mean and right right I don't, I don't think a lot of publishers in photography at least are like in, interested in just being that middle middle person that goes between the photographer and the the printing right press, like the know? broker right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so, so um, yeah, yeah i mean there's no money in publishing so we've got to have fun somehow exactly yeah 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 no, and I... managing the print production is not it yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's not the fun part yeah um i actually have a question that's kind of the opposite of what we're talking about because i often feel and um and this might also lend itself a little bit more to less experienced photographers but they get really eager to get their work out and to publish it as a book and they rush the project and they don't spend enough time experimenting and thinking through how to push it in ways that would be really impactful. And um, in reading about your process of putting together Slant, I think it's a great example of a project that could have easily been like pretty good, but ultimately not noteworthy if you'd run with one of the first concepts that came to mind, like just displaying the text alone or creating images that were attempted to, you know, literally visually describe the text. Yeah. And so when you're teaching or generally counseling any photographer, how much of an emphasis do you put on the importance of research and experimentation and giving projects time to evolve? 
granted yeah. not talking to the people that are 12 <laughs> years down the line on one project but yeah no people I that mean, are going in the other way i mean yeah r- research and experimentation are like the like the pretty much the fundamentals of like the curriculum i developed for the master's program that i run so it's kind of like that's super important to me i i might even overemphasize it to a certain extent because but i really i really do think those are like fundamental core um aspects of making any body of work um really understanding the kind of subject matter the content the references all of the things that that are playing off of your off of your work the experiences you're having in your own life that are playing off that work um and then also yeah pushing yourself outside the outside of your comfort zone a little bit and trying trying to see what happens when you change it up a bit and not being afraid for things to to fail or to not work out that you know that's part of the process i think i mean one of the big changes that i've seen in terms of you know i've been teaching now for about 13 or 14 years and um maybe longer 15 years and because of the rise of the digital like there's this this i don't know the there's this kind of obsession with um, every frame being perfect. And if it's not perfect, mm-hmm. you just delete it and, you know, move on to the next and that sort of thing. And, um, and I think that's a real shame because often, you know, six months down the line, you realize like those yeah. pictures that you wish you didn't delete, you know, deleted are, are great. So I think, um, yeah. I have so many of those. Yeah. <laughs> I should have deleted them. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, yeah. Keep going back. Nope, still nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's that, you know, it's the, the classic story of, whatever robert frank's americans and he shot something like three hundred thousand photographs and printed 62 or whatever the numbers are you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i think you have to be able to allow yourself to like yeah to play and experiment and 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 push yourself a little bit um but um yeah and just kind of i mean that was something that i had to learn myself i was really as a as, as a young photographer like straight out of college and i was really impatient and i wanted to like get my work out and like be able to do a project in six months and so on and and I think, um, you know, you just realize over time that it's like, it's a long game. Things take time to develop and mature and evolve. Um, sometimes they just have to go into hibernation for, you know, a little while before they start to kind of reemerge as something different. Um, right. And yeah. I think it's probably also like in school, you have this fight, you have assignments and you have this finite time, you know, like you have to do your senior thesis show or whatever yeah. it is where yeah. you are expected to have it all wrapped up in a bow yeah. in a discrete period of time. And so it maybe trains us to, yeah. to do it that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I often say to my students, like, just think of this project as like, as the first chapter of the rest of your work. Like this isn't, this doesn't have to be your life's work. It doesn't have to be represent everything you've ever done in your, right. you know, you know, it's not going to necessarily be the statement piece that rep that, that um you know defines you for the rest you know this is this is just the beginning and this is a long it's a long game and people are gonna you know make new bodies of work and evolve and go in different directions so so yeah i mean i think um i think that's important but i also totally empathize with just being impatient and being a young photographer desperate to like show the world your work and get it out there and see it in, on a shelf and <laughs> be famous <laughs> yes, might be not, famous already yeah well it's not even about being famous i think it's just because like you said like there's not so much money in this world so so <laughs> the the kind of rewards are really like getting other people's attention and 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 them seeing it and engaging with it and kind of um yeah and getting it you know that having that kind of mm-hmm. you know it's there's nothing more rewarding than putting work out there and then and then finding out that other people 
get it. You know, that was a big yeah, concern. Yeah, that's resonating. Yeah, that was a big concern for me with with Slant and with other projects that I put out there is that kind of thing. Like, I think this is pretty good, but but I have no idea what other, you know, like, like I, I think it's fun and funny and quirky and kind of, you know, but other people might just be like, what the hell is this thing? You know, and, and, and there's, mm-hmm. it's something really rewarding, that kind of sense that, people get you and people know where, where you're coming from and, and, and also kind of respond in ways that you never expected them to and find new meanings that you know, open up your, your brain as well. So, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I empath- I empathize with that kind of impatience, but I do think, um, you know, my favorite, my favorite photographers in the world, like, um, in terms of the history of photography, uh, you know, they they were they have been or were around a long time. You know they they were you know if they had fifty not a one note right. yeah it's fifty year long careers and they evolve and they develop and they change and you know it, it takes decades and so you know if you're committed to this and you've kind of or you're kind of addicted to this world <laughs> you know it's you might spend forty fifty sixty years doing it and so you have to kind of recognize that that time is a part of it and patience is, right. is, is a, a part of it game. as well. Yeah. I think the research piece too is super important. It's amazing to me, you know, doing like reviewing portfolios and someone shows something and it's like, Oh, have you, this reminds me, of, I'm saying this reminds me of this work or that work, or have you looked at this? And they're like, no, yeah. you know, like the, just not that awareness of how your work is, fitting into a bigger context or bigger conversation and was reading about like who you specifically researched when you were doing slant about um, pairing images and text and that that helped you and gave you additional ideas. And I mean, to me, you're putting so much into a project and to put it out in the world and, and not have a full understanding of how it fits in. Yeah is a mistake. No, I, uh, I, I entirely agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, this is a really dumb example, but I, uh, years ago I went to Portland, Oregon, and I wanted to get a bird tattoo and I did not know of the skit Portlandia, the put a bird on it <laughs> right. until literally the day before I went, <laughs> no. I told a friend like, Oh, I'm going to get this tattoo in Portland. What are you going to get? birds and she like lost it like lost her mind was hysterically (laughs) laughing like oh that's amazing and I was like I don't get it and she was like oh my god thank god I caught you when I did and like you know so I still got the tattoo but I could at least be upfront about like I put a bird on it in Portland instead of feeling like an asshole after (laughs) yeah you totally get the reference and yeah right it becomes kind of a yeah an ironic take on that Kind of, yes, yeah. exactly. I, yeah, that's that's what I was going for the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so collaboration is a very high value of mine. It seems like you share that value as well. And I loved reading about how you started Seesaw Magazine, kind of yeah. as a reaction to and an antidote for the competitiveness that you're experiencing in photography shortly after leaving school. In what ways do you feel collaboration has benefited you as an artist and just as a human? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think the collaborative aspects of things, that, yeah. 
like you said, after university or after college, university, I like I felt really um, I really enjoyed the university environment, and the experience, and having this kind of group of people that I could engage with. And then as soon as it finished, like everybody went out there, and I still maintained friendships with various people and that sort of thing. But but yeah, you're all of a sudden you're kind of thrown out there on your own, and there's a kind of real independent spirit to it, and it's and you know partially it's you know like it does become competitive in a sense so you kind of feel this this sense of you're always comparing yourself to each other and that and and i got really kind of fed up with that feeling and that sense of um of like you know i wanted to celebrate other people's successes when i had a friend or you know somebody who i went to school with or whatever um get something published like i was excited for them you know and i was and i wanted and i was and i was also at that point in my life kind of bouncing between England, like London and New York, because my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, was British. So she was doing her master's in London. And then I was in New York and I was kind of bouncing back and forth. And I was starting to develop a community of people in London um, whose work I really admired and liked. And so part of like starting off Seesaw was really about initially wanting to show my friends in New York what my friends in London were doing and what my friends in London, what my friends in New York were doing, you know, and kind of and kind of creating some sort of bridge between those those worlds. Um, and and just by doing that magazine and starting to kind of play around with that, I just got excited about sharing work, sharing other people's work with each other. Um, and so like that was probably my initial kind of collaborative effort was that that idea of like, I want to be a you know cheerleader, a champion of other people's practice because I think what they're doing is really interesting and engaging. Um, and And that led me down like a whole path of collaborative opportunities that um are really like the backbone of my career in a lot of ways because um you know it led on to to writing quite a bit about photography to curating exhibitions um yeah to to kind of working in collectives that sort of thing so um and I also kind of started to realize that there was this little this this like photo world which I which you know you're very familiar with as well which is a really small world but it's like it's full of like the most incredible people and the most right. like often the most generous people ever because again going back to it there's not a huge you know financial reward to what what this world offers so it really is about these relationships and these connections that you build with other people um and i really really value that and appreciate that and it's not some it's not like a kind of networking you know kind of thing i'm not i'm not into the networking thing but i'm interested in spending my time with people who are into what i'm into and are my friends and are also just like just amazing creative artists and designers and thinkers and that sort of thing so um yeah so i get a lot of inspiration off of that as well that collaborative process i feel like it really helps give me a sense of motivation and like wanting to share stuff with friends and um, have them share stuff with me um, mm-hmm. and, and support each other and really kind of like push each other to, to kind of do interesting things together. Yeah. Right. Like more is more. Yeah. More is more. Yeah. Do you, um, so in addition to being a photographer, you, like you said, you're a writer, curator, teacher. Um, how do you feel that these different, perspectives um contribute to your artistic practice or is it hard for you to switch gears yeah i mean that was something that took a long time as well um 
any like I said initially, like I started Seesaw Magazine just because I, to be honest, had like I was a freelance photographer with a lot of free time on my hands, and <laughs> and, and uh, you know, so I, I started doing that just as a way of kind of staying engaged and building new friendships and relationships, and you know, learning about what was going on in photography in the world, um, and that led me down this road of kind of doing a lot of writing because Seesaw, uh, it kind of um, it was one of the kind of like other, like there were other people that were doing blogs, um, but mm-hmm. nobody had. I don't think there were that many like magazines online mm-hmm. yet when I when I started doing that. So um, the only reason I published it online was because I didn't have the money or the budget or or the kind of like you know I couldn't get advertise. I didn't know how to get advertising or anything. Right. So I could print it. Okay, I would have printed it if I could, but um, it was just easier to build a you know a, like a really basic website. Um, so, but yeah, so all of a sudden like a lot of people seem to kind of respond to that and it got me going down this road of writing and then doing some curatorial projects. Um, and, and then I started teaching also through that. So, uh, so doing that like benefited me greatly. It kind of led me down all these really interesting paths, but I started to do this compartmentalizing thing where I felt like, every day I was wearing a different hat or doing a different job. So like Monday I was teaching and Tuesday I was curating something and Wednesday I was writing an article and, you know, and Thursday I was trying to make my own work. Um, and it felt really hectic and schizophrenic, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I Then I had an opportunity to do this, to curate this festival in Poland. And part mm-hmm. of that was also, there was a, um, a commission that I wanted to do as a kind of, visiting artist in one of the museums that um, was part of that festival. So I kind of took the opportunity to like find a way to start creating some sort of Venn diagram where my curation overlapped with my photographic practice, which also overlapped with some of the research that I was doing. And then I started realizing I could develop like lectures and, and teaching methods off the back of that. And so it was only about kind of seven or eight years ago that I started to realize that rather than trying to like, um, think of all of these things as being separate, like that they were actually all one thing. And mm-hmm. at the heart oh. of them, at the heart of them is really my own practice. Like the reason I started writing about photography was so that I could understand how other people were doing something so then I could do it myself, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, um, so yeah, so I started realizing that actually, like all of these things are just one giant kind of solar system that, that, right. that, really defines me as my my kind of creative practice. So yeah. So so I try to bring them all together now and think of them all as the same thing. So um yeah, and try to try to have projects that help me to understand the overlaps and the kind of the relationships between all of all of those things. And the and the projects that I've been doing like Slant or like the previous book Folk, you know, involve my own photography, but they also involve a certain amount of editing and curation and you know, text research, and research, uh, yeah. um, and so, so yeah, that was a that was a huge um, eye opener to me um, to to see that to see that actually, like, if I was doing one of these things, I was actually like benefiting all of the rest at the same time. Mm-hmm. As if, yeah. as long as I was conscious and careful of that and didn't get distracted by doing something that had nothing to do with everything else that I was doing. Yeah. Right. That's that's my problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, but that would be fun too. Yeah. I'll start a podcast. I mean, how hard could that be? Um so I think I warned you that I ask everyone 
about the best and worst decisions. So what was the best, what do you consider to be the best career decision you've made? Um, I mean, I think it, a lot of it relates, I think, I mean, it seems super cliche to say, but like, it's like some kind of horrible job interview, but like, um, like the answer to both of those questions is kind of the same thing in a okay. weird way uh -huh. uh, and kind of relates to what we were just talking about, which is that idea that um, like um, the best thing that I've done, I, I feel like is really like open up to photography through all of these different avenues and channels. So rather than kind of saying like strictly, like I'm just going to take pictures in this specific way for the rest of my life and do this one thing. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, I I kind of like yeah just op opened up my field of vision and realized that I could engage with this medium that I really love, and I love what it brings to to my life um, in all of these different ways, um, and engage with all of these different projects. Like you said, you know, like why don't I start a podcast? Why don't I start a magazine? Why don't I like you know pitch a pitch an exhibition to curate? You know, um, but like for me that that eclectic kind of approach mm -hmm. to my practice has just been by far the best thing I've ever done. Cause I think I would have been quite kind of uh, lonely, <laughs> lonely and kind of um, stagnated, yeah, stag you think? stagnating a bit if I had just followed like that one path. But on the flip side of that, um, you know, it's difficult. Um, you know, if I look in retrospect, like it's difficult, I think for other people to really like explain like there's no elevator pitch of like what I do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like it's because every project that I kind of deal with, I try to deal with in a different way or I try to come at it from a different angle just to keep myself excited and alive and, and kind of engaged. So rather than right. just falling into to routines or patterns, like wanting to kind of find new ways of doing things and, and, you know, researching other people that do that. There's so many other artists and photographers that have done that, including the people I was talking about before. When you think about somebody like, Walker Evans, you know, like, yes, he made photographs, but he also, you know, curated exhibitions and he also edited magazines and he also taught at, you know, like Yale. And he also wrote a, incredible essays about photography and gave incredible right. lectures, you know, so, so I started to realize that that like, this isn't anything new, um, that other mm -hmm. people had kind of done that. But I also started to, you know, I also recognized that, um, like, um, yeah, that there, there are people out there that that did find a path and kind of like stick with it and or they find an aesthetic or they find a subject matter and they just go for it. Um, and that's that that's like all consuming for them. And I really, you know, I really appreciate that and respect that in a lot of people. Um, but it's also easy for me to kind of, you know, say their name to you and you immediately have a picture of like what they do and, or how they do it or what their pictures look like or what they're right. interested in. And um and I think, yeah, I'm still trying to kind of find that way where I can kind of explain what it is that I'm doing to other people in less than like two paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's always like teasing me and saying like, you have way too many slashes in your bio, like, or commas. That's so true, <laughs> yeah. When people ask me for a bio that's like, you know, a very limited number of words, I'm like, oh, <laughs> what what major aspect of my yeah photo career am I just gonna not mention? Yeah, yeah. she's like you can't you can't be a 
photographer slash curator slash writer slash teacher slash you know what I mean like what the hell are you you know um so yeah I mean it's always this constant um you know that's what niggles at me is that kind of thing of like I wish I wish there was some way that I could kind of um condense it but at the same time every time I think of doing that I think like but then I would lose all of this other you know right experience and excitement that I really enjoy so so yeah yeah you're just a renaissance man a photographic well, yeah, it's either that or a jack of all trades and master of none. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know. I think mine's better. <laughs> right. A publicist, you are not. <laughs> no. I think, I've, yeah, the kind of self-deprecation of England has gotten to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah. Um, so you've worn many hats yeah. successfully in the photo world. Do you feel like you've accomplished everything that you had originally set out to do photographically or is there still a lot you want to do or both? Oh God. I mean, no, like there's a million things that I'd still like to accomplish. I'm not, it's not accomplishing in that sense of kind of like ticking boxes and feeling that. Right. But if like just out of school, you, you know, if you were talking to just out of school, you and said like, Oh, in however many (laughs) years, like I would have curated these shows and had these books and you know, I had a master's program in college. I had this, this teacher who was a bit of a hippie, but she was, you know, I had a bit of, I had one of those panic attack kind of moments about a year out of college. I think a lot of people go through it where I was going to say, that sounds familiar (laughs) where you're just like, what am I doing with my life? Like, like Mm -hmm. this isn't what I expected, you know? And, um, and Were I, you passed out on a bathroom floor <laughs> somewhere? Was that no? That was you. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I wrote this like letter to you know, and it's it's the most embarrassing email I think I've ever sent. But I sent it to all my professors at college, just being like, I'm totally like. <laughs> it's I'm, good you spread it around though. <laughs> like, it was I'm so totally... embarrassing that you wanted everyone to read it. <laughs> exactly, it was group email. Um, <laughs> and um, but you know, I had I had one teacher who was like, she's she was a bit of a like not hippie, but you know, um, just a little bit laid back about life a little bit more but she did that kind of classic you know john lennon quote life's what happens when you're making plans kind of thing mm-hmm. um and i think like when i look back at what i wanted like what i wanted to do and accomplish when i was i don't know 16 and getting into photography and then when i was 21 and then when i was 30 like it changes constantly and like mm-hmm. like what i wanted when i was 20 like I would not want that. Like I'm glad that didn't happen. If you know I mean. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it would have just. It's just not. So um. So yeah. I mean, I think. I don't know. It's 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 a journey. It's a quote. Yeah. It sounds horrible. But yeah. So it's, it's a it's a journey, and it's constantly changing. Um. And yeah, there are a lot of things that I really want to like try out. I guess it's not really like accomplish. It's more like experience. Like mm-hmm. I I just want to like what. I don't know. I mean. Yeah, like I said, like I'd like to experiment with, um, I guess, like in terms of my own work, kind of exhibition work a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I've had a lot of fun dealing with books and I'd like to make a lot more books and kind of find new ways to make books. Um, But I'm still trying to figure out how my own work can engage with the with a gallery space or like because I think I've up until this point made a lot of my work for the book. Right. When it comes to the exhibition point, I'm like, how do I how do I translate this? You know, how do you move? How do you translate all of this book into something that exists on a wall and that sort of thing? That's not just a book on a wall. Right. Um, so and I like, often have um, working on the reverse problem where it's like, well, I don't want to create something that looks like an exhibition catalog. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'd like to work on, I'd like to find something that I can work on like long-term, but in a, like in a genuinely long-term way, kind of something that, that ticks over for, you know, 10 years or, or whatever. And not, not in a sense of, um, just procrastinating, but in a sense of kind of something that, that develops and evolves, um, and gains some sort of like weight and depth over, over that period of time. Because of the time. Yeah. Because of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just open to, yeah, I'm open to see what happens. I'm hoping, you know, and it's also, you know, you read it, reach a certain age and you just think like, okay, I also just want to stay engaged. Like I don't want to become, uh, you know, out of step or out of touch or irrelevant or, you know, so, um, I think that's why I continue to do the kind of other stuff too, the curating and the writing and stuff, because I just want to maintain that sense of like excitement about the new and like what's happening now and what, yeah. And stay plugged in what's happening. It's about, because I do think it's easy as an artist to kind of retreat into your own silo. Yeah, no, absolutely. But there are people, you know, I don't, you know, the people I really admire, people like Robert Adams or Lee Freelander or, um, you know, who have just been at it for so long and they just continue to kind of, I don't know, just, they just, yeah, they just, yeah, they, they, their pa- I think their passion for it or their commitment or their kind of, yeah, it's just, is still as alive as it was when they were, you know, starting out. And that's, that's kind of what I aspire to. I want to be as excited about photography as I was when I was 16 and 19 and 30 and now, and I want to, you know, I want to still feel that kind of um, excitement for it because it's a real, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a real photo nerd. I'm a real photo geek. I, re- I get a lot. I get a lot of a lot of out of the medium. I once had tea at Robert Adams' house. Wow. Yeah. He lives in Astoria, Oregon, which is my most favorite place on the planet, and um, he has on his front door like a, a one of those storm doors you yeah. know it's just yeah. like all fr- anti-fracking yeah. <laughs> bumper stickers wow. and stuff and so yeah i was like oh, okay noted <laughs> yeah very intense he's so smart and so gentle and like and he's it's just all about the love for it you know what i mean it's there's no yeah. like ulterior motives there's no ego really to what he's doing yeah and he'll like people write him letters and he writes back and um it was really kind of adorable but um he was needing some toner or something for the dark room and um he was like gonna drive to portland to (laughs) do it and we were trying to explain like you can go online he's like well my we don't have the internet here, but you know, right. my <laughs> neighbor across the street has it. Maybe it was like, okay. <laughs> you were like, I have a signal right now. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> I got the Amazon app right here on my phone. <laughs>